0: From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, Episode Four Hundred and Eleven. Today's show is brought to you by Uni Pizza Ovens, Electric, Capital One, and Mode. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Jason Snow. Hi, Jason. Hi, Mike. Hi, I'm waving.
1: Summer of summer fun! fun.
0: You already know it because you've heard the music. Yeah. We're starting the summer Brown, of fun early. Brown, Brown. Jason,
1: why are we starting the summer of fun early? Well, because it's the it's basically summer and i'm enjoying the sun and you're enjoying the sun in yeah. sunny california because we are recording this one in person
0: in the human flesh
1: and you're like well wait a second i thought mike was sick how could they do that and it's like well i have a long table in my yep. backyard and my backyard is outside mm-hmm. <laughs> i'd like to keep my backyard outside and here we are we are in my backyard mm-hmm. with a complete podcast set up That is working surprisingly well,
0: and I'm I'm staying masked. I've decided, except for when I'm drinking fluids, because look, if I take Jason Snell down, the world's coming. Oh, but you're you're
1: you're no, you sound so muffled that way. We're far away. and the the breeze is blowing. Hey,
0: look, I just want it on on record. that I tried because I I still have. I'm still positive. I'm still testing positive every day.
1: Well, we as as listeners can hear. We are outside. We, yeah. are, we are not next to each other. We no. are at a remove from one another.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I can even scoot back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the wind is blowing, <laughs> as you can hear. Not a sound effect. Now, we, last year, I think, on the Summer of Fun, or maybe it was two years ago, during uh, Stay Inside time, we did a fake episode where we were outside. Outgrade. Outgrade yeah. for the Summer of Fun, mm-hmm. where we put in a lot of sound effects that suggested that we were outside mm-hmm. We could just we just slide back. Hear that? that was the sound of just a slide picture. on back <laughs> uh-huh. um, it, but this is real this is all real we don't actually know what's going to happen my neighbors were having like a pool, they, they have like an inflatable pool they were having a pool party with a bunch of kids in it yesterday when we were out here having dinner and they were screaming uh-huh. that could happen yep. a crow could attack us yep that could happen mm-hmm. it could rain there it is
0: might, I, but I mean, won. looking at the sky, the I'm not
1: expecting rain. Perfectly
0: blue, and it's breezy. It was raining on the Golden Gate Bridge on my way yeah. over, though. So you know, that's just. But you I know, feel like that always happens. It's on the a thick
1: Golden Gate fog Gate. that is always, literally, always raining. Many years
0: way. ago during WWDC in San Francisco, me and Steven decided we would take a lovely walk together across the bridge. Uh-huh. One of the worst decisions we ever made mm-hmm. because it's just cold so and horrible.
1: I, I probably told this story before, but I, I commuted across the bridge in a bus every day for. I don't know 15 years and I will tell you um I would start to I'd look out the window and I'd be like bad day for you guys or oh you were very lucky like I could gauge like what kind of day it was for the tourists coming over the bridge because some days mm -hmm. you couldn't see a thing Mm -hmm. and it was windy and, and cold and miserable and other days it was crystal clear and beautiful and those people all went back to their towns and in their in their countries and reported back, oh, Golden Gate Bridge, very bad. Or, oh, Golden Gate Bridge is very beautiful. And it's uh, just the luck of the draw.
0: I have a hashtag snow talk question for you. <laughs> it comes from Arjan, and Arjan wants to know, when you make a typing mistake, do you repeatedly press backspace until you correct it? Or do you command space to delete the whole word and type correctly?
1: I... <laughs> Didn't even remember that you could do the shortcut to go back a word. Oh, huh. And that is my answer. Also, what I really want to say here is always forward, Mike. Always forward.
0: Never backward? Never backward. You never correct an error? Never. Do so you never make errors? Just
1: keep going. <laughs> no, you do, but you just correct around them and say, you know, that word I said before was not it. Anyway. Uh, Wait. So, <laughs> so you I've never seen this in your writing. So, you
0: make an error and then just say, no, forget that. Yep. Don't worry about I that. Think what I meant to say was this. I think
1: if you'll consult the history of my writing, you'll find out that that's exactly my uh, Incredible. philosophy. Yeah. Just I always that. forward. Push the cursor forward Mm. ever forward
0: well i like hitting keys so i just hit back 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 back. back.
1: back is a pretty good one yeah that's a classic maneuver i i don't do the i don't trust a lot of those you know jump forward jump back especially since sometimes they change between apps or it'll be on command or Mm. or option or whatever and so i don't not for deleting i also i was looking um so i uh i had to change some keyboard shortcuts and I had to, on my Mac, I discovered that there's a keyboard shortcut that's enabled by default. I think that is shift delete to delete the other direction. I think that's it.
0: Let me see. Shift delete. Yeah, it back. It does a delete it rather eats, than backspace.
1: It eats the, the letters in front of you, yeah. right? Yeah. Which that's is, what
0: the delete key would do otherwise. And then backspace just goes, backspace will go left, delete key will go right if you're in a... a Left to right language.
1: Well, I find that um, I find that really disturbing, and I turn yeah. that off. Um, the, by the way, the reason that I'm mentioning this is that I mistakenly installed the macOS beta on my main system that I use every day. Hang on a second. We need to get into that. <laughs> we'll, say, we'll say. So I had all to just I, pause there a all second. Right, all a- right.
0: That is the end of snow talk. Okay. Thank you. All right. We need to. Oh. We
1: have. Chapter marker.
0: Mm-hmm. That's where it there goes, it and I'm going to write down in. in the, we have a topic later on in the show called Beta Impressions. All right, and the point Jason mistakenly <laughs> installs Ventura. Mm-hmm. I will just say to, cl- to close out the Snow Talk question. I do sometimes do Shift Option. Uh, like to, and then highlight stuff and delete it. But anyway, I mostly will hit the backstage key. If you would like to send in a question for us to open an episode of the show, just send out a tweet with the hashtag snowtalk we'll or use question mark snowtalk we'll in the RelayFM members discord. Uh, do you want to give a mic, you want a mic update?
1: Yes. Yes. How are you doing? Mike's still sick. Mm.
0: Um, I still have coronavirus. Uh, I would say that my symptoms are going, it's, I'm on a roller coaster at the moment where, and I've heard this from other people could be perfectly fine for a while and then i just all of a sudden feel terrible Uh, my most recent symptom which is one i've had for the most couple of days has been really nauseous don't know where that's coming from but that's like a thing that i got going on uh we're going home tomorrow um i've been consulting with guidelines from the cdc and the nhs about like can i travel the thing is i can travel Like no one's stopping me. You don't have to test anymore. But basically, what I've been reading is after five days, you're um you are way less contagious. So as long as so the CDC recommends, as long as you mask, you're fine. So we I've been contagious now for seven eight days. So I've been testing positive for eight days. I should say. So we've I've also because of that, our airline won't change it because technically and legally i can travel so we'll be masked up the entire trip and going home tomorrow i will tell you i cannot wait to go home i, I have had enough of this trip i can't wait to go it's home.
1: a cursed trip yeah it really is you gotta you, gotta, you I've gotta, gotta get
0: home so saying it's a cursed trip we have a connection that i'm not feeling too confident on but mm. we'll work it out
1: yeah yeah no it's it's a uh, it's a tough one. As much as I enjoy your visits to California, the circumstances of this, it could have been amazing and instead great. It's, it's, it's terrible. It had the makings of perfect trip and, <laughs> and went in the exact opposite direction. Mm. Um,
0: we were talking before we started recording today about like as you mentioned to me that last Monday was a blur. Um, oh yeah. And I wanted to, I don't think we told the story on the show but I thought it would be funny to tell it now. So we recorded last Monday. You were at Apple Park and I was in my hotel room in San Jose. But we were over video Webex.
1: Yeah, because it was Apple was running yeah. it, right? So everything's in Webex, yeah. not Zoom that we normally or use. FaceTime. And you could have had the video off, but you had the video on. I could see you. And you could see me. So right.
0: I thought you can see me, but it ended up being very helpful because what Jason would see is every little while,
1: I would kind of recoil into myself as I needed a minute. It reminded (laughs) me of when I was a kid, sometimes they would need to calm the class down and they'd say, okay, everybody heads down on your desk. (laughs) Right, it was like you you put your fold your arms and put your head down on your desk and just think think quiet thoughts for a little while and give the teacher a break. The teacher needs a little break right now, kids, and that's what you did. And so I took that as a cue to keep talking, keep
0: talking. Just vamp for me for a minute because I I'm recharging. Uh, I've also been using my blood oxygen sensor a lot. So as the you know Apple Watch, yeah, you know I've I've many times have been like this feature is pointless. Why did they include it? I've been using it. I still say the way that Apple positioned it initially was kind of silly. You know, it's like, oh, do you go up mountains a bunch? Um, but I've been using it uh, a lot for uh, checking my my blood oxygen. Because why not? People say you should do that. So I've been doing it. I can do a lot of tests for you right now. I was 94% an hour ago. That's not good, is what I've heard. So I'll do another test right. let it the go. FD-
1: right the FDA does not approve of you using this in a medical way. It's more for, right. for, for entertainment purposes. Entertainment
0: purposes only. Ooh, I'm so entertained. <laughs> well, My blood oxygen. Yeah.
1: Well, if it's low enough, you'll be very entertained by it. You <laughs> feel like, Whoa.
0: Yeah. This is providing drama. Ninety-six percent right now. Right. So we're all good.
1: It's all the all the extra oxygen that's out here in the outside world. It is nice to be
0: outside. I've not spent a lot of time outside. I tell you that. Um, WWDC is over. It's true. Oh, that sounds so good, the bird song. I don't know if anybody's enjoying this as much as I am, but, like, I'll tell you right now. Like, listeners, if you think to yourself, oh, man, I wish they were inside. As a you spent a lot of time inside. Just take it from me. It's good to be outside.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: what was your overall thoughts on WWDC?
1: Um... I, I mean, I, we talked about this sometime some, a little bit last week. I, and I wrote a Macworld column about mm-hmm. it last week, actually, which was basically this is the way to do it. And yep. I think that that's been the consensus. I don't know if Apple's going to do it this way again. We, this was a, uh, a change for them. This was a, 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 a trying something different to, to see if they could synthesize uh, an in-person event with online stuff. And I think they did a really good job. Like The, the fact that they did all the sessions on the web uh, like they've done the last few years, and those sessions were good. I watched a bunch of them this week. Um, I, I think that was all good. I've heard good things about the labs. They had a Slack where you could yeah. go in and talk to people who are people who work at Apple in key areas and ask them your questions, and they and their colleagues would chime in with answers, and that was all stuff that you could do and not be in Cupertino at all. So I think on that on that front, they have done a really good job. And remember a few years ago when, when this first happened, oh, there's a siren now. Uh oh! uh, I swear this is not a plot development in this fake outside that we're doing. It's just the regular, uh, the regular thing. Uh, So that's so great. Okay, (laughs) I think that um, uh, we all wondered whether they were really going to be able to embrace doing an online WWDC a few years ago. (laughs) It's getting so much more aggressive, and and it was Uh right. I mean, was like well, because COVID happened, Uh and there was an emergency. Hmm? yeah sirens and the and they they rushed to build an online wwdc and it turns out they did a pretty good job and they were able to iterate a couple of times on it Mm -hmm. and they've done a great job so i think that's that part of it is settled like don't because wwdc is experienced by 99.999 whatever percent of the apple's developers Mm -hmm. not in person so the part that the, really was the other part. And that was mostly Monday, although it did, you know, there was stuff happening on Sunday and on Tuesday, like overlap with some things yep. and some events and all that. And in the end, it's, it's not that different, but it's a little different from what I was kind of predicting a few weeks ago, which is do it as a media event. Well, they did, but, and it may end up there. It may end up in the Steve jobs yep. theater with media and developers, it,
0: right? It depends on how big they, because I mean, I don't think they've said the amount of people, but the images that I've seen and even the images Apple posted, it looked like there was over a thousand people. Yeah. And can, I don't, can the Steve Jobs Theater hold that many? I
1: think it could do 2,000
0: 2,000? Well, then they could do it there then. Yeah. Uh, but I think it, it's the, just they occupied way much more physical space, sure. right, than, than they would have in a theater. Well,
1: and that's because of COVID. But they could... They could do it in the theater if they felt comfortable, but I they mean, also obviously they would do prefer it. to do it in the theater, I think, though, right? Because that's think the whole so. point of the theater. I think but. so. I, I, if I had to guess, my guess would be that next year they'll do in the theater. If they can, they'll do it in the theater, and they'll actually have presentations on stage. Um, for the for the media event, even if okay. a bunch of it is pre-taped, because a bunch of it was already pre-taped, but it'll be more of a live event than a viewing party, which is essentially what it was. But even if they do the viewing party thing again, like I love the idea that you get the chance at the trip of the lifetime if you're a developer, and you get to go to the mothership, you get to see Apple Park, you get to see the ring, you get to see the whole thing. There's the developer center, like there's all of these things, and no, that's, that's for 0.0001% mm-hmm. of Apple developers, but it's... a a great moment for them. And it also has great uh, value for Apple to show excited developers, right? Like, I feel like if they do go back to the Steve Jobs Theater and have some aspect of it live, one of the things that they're going to do is have all the developers in the front and they're going to be yeah. hyped up yeah. and they're going to be applauding and shouting and being very excited and that's good for the performance of the media event and let's let's not kid ourselves i was noticing and watching some of it back state of the unions for developers the the, key, the keynote is not like the developers were, were not referred to as you in that presentation right they were they they, they did our developers not you because it it's not right the keynote's not directed it's
0: for everyone it's all it's for developers as users and all other users right like because they did do something in this keynote that like on reflection i really enjoyed is they kept talking about there being apis for everything And whether in previous years they just haven't had as many APIs, but like, you know, like focus mode, for example, there wasn't a focus API last time, but there is this time and they called it out and I liked it for that. Um, I do think uh, as well as your article I'll put in the show notes, i also put a great article that David Smith wrote as well, um, just about his whole experience is kind of crossing the divide as both. He he attended as media, but did everything else as a developer. Right. And David spoke so highly of it. I mean, honestly... If they do anything that different to last week in the future, I'd be really surprised. It just doesn't seem like they need to go back to WWDC's in-person first because there's so much more they could still do. Like Apple could facilitate meetups and or the community will be doing it themselves again. Right. Because now, right, now this happens this year. Next year, if Apple did the same thing, it would still attract more people like it used to. Right, because people know what it is. Yeah. Right, because if you were somebody who would go to WWDC like I would before, right, Just just be in that environment, you would have seen this year that like people were just getting together a lot. You're like, oh, I want to be in that. Now, the the question is where it will happen.
1: Right, because around around Apple Park, there isn't a lot no. of stuff. There aren't a lot of hotels. There aren't a lot of restaurants. So that all could occur center. in
0: San Jose, right, yeah. um, as it has in previous years, because plus San Jose is 15 minutes to, yeah, to Apple Park, it. right? So honestly, I expect to, that to start occurring over time. I think now I would be disappointed if Apple brought WWDC back to the full-on 5,000-person convention. Because there kind of isn't a...
1: I, I don't know why, why you would do it. Why would you get so many people there yes. to do one day? Because I don't think they're going to do a five-day thing, right? Because they shouldn't. Because the online they shouldn't. classes are the enough. The
0: online is so much better, and it, and it enables so many more people to do this. I think this is the way to go. But it will still allow for people who want to be in the environment can still come to the environment because there will be ancillary events popping up just as there always was. Like I would love to, next year, put on live shows again in the Hammer Theatre, right? Right. I would love it if we could do that. And the way that this year went, except for one notable exception, would seem to suggest that that could be a possibility for us right? to do that again.
1: Right, and you end up with sort of ancillary events. Although I do wonder, with Apple facilitating things like they did, if that might suggest Apple wanting to have more of it be kind of under their Which is good. auspices, and that, totally that's totally fine. I mean, the talk show being in the Developer Center I mean, is they an interesting always had example that page,
0: that. right, where they blessed certain events. Sure. So, like, they can just keep doing that, and also they can put on more themselves. They have the Developer Center; they have all that space around Apple Park, like. Yeah. There's stuff that they can do. I think this is the template for the future of WWDC. 100%. I, I don't think it is returning to 2019. It doesn't make sense to have no. this big conference. No, but, but you're
1: also right just in a the way the world works and the way people are. You will end up with, um, knowing what it is now, you will end up with somebody saying, I'm going to do a, a a sidebar conference <laughs> in San Jose that week. Why not? Or right? Whatever. And, and that'll because happen. Because there
0: were developers that were going anyway right like i saw a bunch of developers online who were before they even knew that apple was inviting people so i'm going to be in san jose that week or i'm going to go because there were a a number of developers i saw that had already planned to go and got rejected for tickets and they got tickets you know because apple did like multiple rounds of sending those passes out so people want it and this is a way to do it where I think it still continues to make it pretty democratic feeling.
1: And sets the expectation, right? Yeah. Which is you're not here for a week, which is actually you still have to pay for your flights, but you don't have to stay for five, six, seven no. days. You're you're here for a concentrated period and maybe with the developer center, you know, it's not just we'll watch the keynote together. It's you'll watch the keynote together and you're gonna you're gonna meet some people who work at Apple and there's gonna be some stuff in the developer center for you and it's gonna be a great two days two and a half days and then you go
0: home they could make a couple of tracks too so like you know you say like okay we're going to put on screenings of these 10 sessions of the whole sort which we think like and so you can go on like apple's golden path of wwdc Mm. right where like they're going to have they're going to be showing these sessions in the developer center you can if you're in town you can come along and we'll guide you through three days but it's not a different experience than anybody else
1: Right. Imagine imagine actually having some in-person sessions where you could talk to the people in the videos about, yeah. like, and ask them follow-up questions. There's stuff they could do, yeah. but most of it's going to need to happen online, and that's fine. But they can create an experience that is special for the developers who are lucky enough yep. to have it, and who will presumably cycle through and not be the same group every year, which is why I said it's a, an experience of a lifetime. Yep. It's like, this is that was the year I went in person. And then they're useful as part of the, the show as well. Yeah. Um, And so that's a good combination because it is a show. They're putting it on. Having the developers there shows uh, the public that Apple cares about its developers, which is important because there's a lot of stuff going on that is controversial about Apple and how it treats its developers. So having that as a profession of Apple's love for its developers is good for Apple. And it's also good for the event itself to be you know, like I said, it's it's a much more receptive studio audience. The the Macworld Expo crowds and the WWDC keynote crowds were always the best in terms of stagecraft because they were, because the media is, we're kind of not supposed to clap and stuff. I right? hate that thought, by the way. Like, because
0: I guess I'm media now, right? So close. Nearly got there. But, um, yeah, I, I, I guess least, technically
1: you, know. you can still say but if you're I not went, until the next time.
0: I would be excited. i would be clapping and shouting. Like, I don't know why there is an expectation that the media must be jaded. Like it do-
1: doesn't make sense. No, I think to the me. idea is that you're objective and you're not there to root. You're so there to what? cover it. And I uh, this is where I, I threw my like, arms I, up with the touchdown thing when they did yeah. the windowing on the iPad. though. I, I did like, do that, but that's about it.
0: I come from a different age. Wait, like I'm independent. Yeah, right. Like I didn't I don't work for IDG or whatever. Like I'm just a guy who has a bunch of podcasts, not because he wants to be a journalist, but it's because he's an an enthusiast.
1: It's a cultural thing, but it's always going to be there. Right. Which is why for the media events, pure media events, the crowd is seated with um, VIPs who are like friends of Apple who Apple has invited and Apple employees Mm -hmm. and they do the cheering right yeah. and and I, I my feeling is that that actually got a little over aggressive in the last few years well the beauty of this is you've got a, an excited audience that's going to cheer yeah. who are the developers so you bring them in and and um, it's that much better and and if there are crowd shots that show people and you're like oh, there's my buddy who went that's also all to the benefit of this. So, yeah, let's do this again. Yep. Except for the one, this very specific thing. that We we'll should do Let's not again. do
0: it exactly the same. No, but similar. But very, Sim- no, no, similar. Not for me. No. <laughs> very d- similar for everyone else. Okay. Exact 180% different. 180%. <laughs> 180% different for me. Okay. All right. This episode is brought to you by Mode and their new keyboard, the Sonnet. Over the past couple of years, I've gotten super deep into the mechanical keyboard hobby. I have a love for the wonderful designs that people produce, both the keycaps and the keyboards themselves. I love the customization of finding just the right pairing of every element so they feel and that keyboard will perform exactly how I want it to. I've also really come to appreciate the joy of putting these things together myself and being able to use something that my own hands had a role in creating. Over my time in the hobby, my favorite keyboards have been designed and manufactured by Mode. They are, for me, the Apple of keyboards. The products are incredibly well made, beautiful to look at, and the process of buying them is really well thought out and user-friendly, which is not a normal experience in a keyboard hobby at all. One of my favorite things that they have totally nailed is the level of customization that is available for the keyboard you buy from them. You can choose the colors, materials, even the design accent pieces, fancy internal weights, the whole nine yards. And you can visualize this process in real time to see what you're going to be receiving. They have this, And you can also put them in different settings. You can put different color keycaps on it. So you can really see how that keyboard is going to look when you receive it. It lets you craft something that will fit perfectly in your own workspace. Currently, Mode have two keyboards available for pre-order, the 80, which has a two-month lead time, and the Sonnet, which has a five-month lead time. This is their newest product, and once they start shipping those first orders later this year, that lead time will decrease. You'll be able to get them uh, quicker if you want. I've owned a Mode 80 for over a year. They also sent me an early unit of the Sonnet to check out, which I cannot wait to get home to, genuinely. I'm sorry, I just don't like typing on my laptop keyboard anymore. I want my keyboard. Uh, these two keyboards, the AT and the Sonnet it they have different layouts, so you can choose which works best for you, either functionally or aesthetically. But what you're going to find with all of Mode's keyboards is an incredible attention to detail, the highest level of quality, and all-round excellent experience. Mode pick premium materials and machine them in, with incredibly high precision and care. Look, we sit in front of our keyboards at our desks all day. Why shouldn't it be completely tailored to suit your preferences? Keyboards are a tool. That we use to get our best work done so why should we have to settle for anything less quite frankly why would you want your keyboards to sound like this when it could sound like this mode keyboards are wonderful to build with incredibly detailed and easy to follow instructions and truly make typing an event to look forward to it's one of those things that makes your day that bit more enjoyable you can find out more today by going to modedesigns.com upgrade fm that's modedesigns.com upgradefm fm mode it's time to rethink keyboards. I thanks to Mode for the support of this show and FM. So, observations since last week. Um, what kind of stuff have you been thinking about? What kind of stuff has been bouncing around in your brain? What sessions
1: have you watched? That kind of stuff. Yeah, I watched a bunch of sessions. Um, not as many... So, So, here's the way that I look at sessions is so many sessions are... Apple evangelizing developers on what they need to do to, you know, follow Apple's guidelines, mm-hmm. and the truth is, that is not what I'm looking for. What I and nor it's not for me, right? That that's, that goes without saying. It's not for me. What I'm looking for is are there things I can glean about new things that Apple is doing? That uh, by watching the developer session, they explain how it works and what it does, and I go, oh, that's how that works. And then they're like, okay, let's do this in Swift, and I think. Goodbye. Time for me to leave. Next <laughs> session. So I I watched a bunch, especially on Tuesday, um, I, I watched a bunch of desktop class iPad-related sessions, mm. which I thought was really interesting, and I wrote up on Six Colors. It is, we talked about it last week, in that part of it is Apple sort of saying to its own app developers internally, you need to not have... You know, restore those features that are on the Mac but not on the iPad because you didn't want to put them on the iPhone back in the day, and and consider that more. But it is interestingly also uh, an OS update in iPad OS 16 with the idea of giving more tools. So, like there are three different browsers that you can choose for your window, basically the top of the window that do different things. Whether you're a whether whether you're a browser or a or a uh, like a, a file based app. Or there's a third one too, a navigation based hierarchical navigation based app. They have these three different kind of toolbar uh, um, styles okay. or something, and then um, that have like the name of the like the document one. The document's kind of to the left, like it is on macOS now. Um, there's a file menu essentially on under the file name that you can okay. you can click on the file name and and it, it's a it's a new drop down menu that lets you do things that are file related. Like they didn't call it. I don't know if they call it the file menu, but Mac users will be familiar with it as the file menu. Yeah, because it's in your
0: icon. Uh, your article, you have got an image, and it's like it's, it's got a little chevron, whatever you call it, little carrot. Yeah, next to the and it n- says file like, name, duplicate, rename, move, export. Like so it's a bunch of actions you can perform on, on the, the file. file.
1: Right. And so, and, and there are some basic ones there like renaming in line, but also you can put your own commands there for your app. So it's basically a file menu. And then there are toolbars that that moves it to the left. So then there's this toolbar area in the center. Yep. And what developers can do, this is the kind of stuff you glean from the, the sessions. What the developer can do is say, here's like on the Mac, here's my default tool bar, yep. And here's some other things you can add to the toolbar. And these things are grouped together. And this thing can't be taken off the toolbar. And these things are optional. And and then anything that doesn't fit in the toolbar basically overflows into the little, you know, more menu off in the corner. Um, but it's Apple-defining, saying, like, this is how you do all of the toolbar stuff on, I- on iPad. And it's not quite a menu bar, right? Because they didn't introduce a menu bar with iOS 16. They could have, but they didn't. Um, but they're putting things that you might find in a menu bar <laughs> in I've other forgotten. places.
0: That was... After I was 15, that was the expectation. We were all talking about that constantly, right? Menu bar. menu bar mode
1: that they could have they could have easily in this mode in fact done put things in the menu bar because it was the introduction of that that globe key thing right right which which they basically replicated
0: the menu bar for like what you'd see on catalyst
1: they're they're really dipping their toe in the water there right where you've got the globe key and command key thing which will bring up your menus for the app but it's not a menu bar and now you've got these other things in that toolbar that are menu-like but not Mm. a menu bar Mm. and they're attached to the individual windows it is it will come as no surprise to you mike that um it turns out if you do this on your ipad app makes it a better mac app too for through catalyst right right? that was one of the selling points they made is is all of these choices sort of like the toolbar becomes a mac toolbar item when it's on when you're on the mac oh so so if you're trying to they improve your iPad app to make it more Mac like and you're using catalyst you actually are also making your catalyst app more Mac like in right. the process and it's part of their it's part of their strategy yeah. of like take something from iOS and make it an iPad thing and then bring it to the Mac and you can pick up all these other kind of features so they they they're making an effort with a bunch of the desktop class stuff around it to just sort of restore interface things that just weren't there on the Mm -hmm. iPad. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and yeah, I think it's part and parcel with the stage manager stuff that they're doing. Um, But uh, interesting that they chose to give it a name and call it out in a different way. Um, And for a developer conference, right, they're trying to extol the virtues of doing this. They know that most of their iOS apps are not particularly iPad adapted and are not using features like this. And they're really, this is one of those cases where they are really trying to evangelize developers to like you come on make a toolbar Do to, mm-hmm. join us
0: my concern of a lot of this kind of ipad stuff is in the past a lot of the productivity apps. so they had these features right like i think about like uh windows you know multiple app windows or whatever yeah apple's apps do them a lot of third party smaller apps do it but the big guns don't do it right right or like it takes them a year, eighteen months to add this kind of stuff, you know. Like I still want to have multiple windows in Google Docs. Like I don't think yeah. that's ever going to happen. I think at the this challenge.
1: Point. Yeah, I think the challenge is with Google Docs or with Microsoft Office. You've got something that is sort of they they built their own thing to do it. Yeah. But all of the kind of smaller apps that have built their yeah. own toolbar system or whatever. I, I think you'll see some improvement there where they'll be like, oh, now I'll just use Apple's thing instead. But you're right. The big the big ones, are they going to embrace this or are they just going to ignore it like they've ignored everything else?
0: But then the other thing is all I really want is Apple to make pure, true, real-time collaboration in one of their document apps, right? So we could move our Google Docs to pages or whatever.
1: Well, you know? I think that was one of the things that I added to our little show document here is that Apple spent a lot of time talking about collaboration mm-hmm. features. And in the conversation over this past week about it, I've seen some people be really enthusiastic about it that feel like, you know, Google and Microsoft are playing in this space and that, you know, where is Apple and does Apple even care? And and, um, and people who use Microsoft Teams and you know, or whatever else are like, oh, it's great that Apple's doing this. I admit to being a little more um, skeptical about this because... Apple loves to say, oh, look, we have come up with our solution that will let everybody collaborate in real time. But it only ever works on Apple's platforms, right? And there, sometimes there's a web version of yep. it. But really, it's for people who are fully committed to Apple platforms. And so many businesses aren't. That they just, you, you like, are we're, we're going to use Pages now. That's just what we're going to use, uh, as opposed to Word or Google Docs. There are not a lot of organizations that I think are willing to do that. So oh. I look at those collaboration things, and I think, Good, maybe maybe we would use them under certain circumstances. I mean, I'd love good to, enough.
0: but this every time I've tried it, and I've tried it so many times, it's like the collaboration that currently exists in Notes, where it's like all of our changes are going to get synced. But when,
1: when, yeah, exactly. And so I, I, the fact that they are trying to do things more real time with messages and FaceTime and stuff like that, I think it's all admirable, but. I'm still left with wondering if they're actually, people are actually gonna use um, these collaboration tools. Not because they're not good, because maybe they are, but because I just, any any organization that would standardize on Apple collaboration tools is an organization that is 100% Apple. And, you know, Apple, unless Apple's gonna be like Microsoft, or Google, and I don't think they ever are. Oh. And say we are also going to make all of our collaboration tools available on all the all the other platforms. Right? It's not why it exists. So it makes it a hard sell, even if it even if it is good. And you know, I share your skepticism of like you know, could we does could our show documents go in uh, some other collaborative tool that Apple does? I mean, we'll try it out. But it would
0: work for people who were starting something new. But considering we already have Google Docs, for me, it has to meet Google Docs's core functionality. Right. Before, I, and like the fact, oh, it runs on Apple platforms only. Not a problem for me and my business. Sure. Right. But, you know, like if I now decided I wanted to reorganize our show document and moved everything around, you're on your laptop. You would see it exactly as I'm doing it. That has become now something that I rely on. Yeah. And so for me to consider wanting to, to move to something else, it has to do that. But I do like
1: the look of their other collaboration stuff, right? Shared tab groups is fun. Uh, yeah, you know, would we, would, is that going to happen? Are we going to start having like a little shared tab groups for all our podcasts? Could do, why not? A little upgrade tab group where instead of sending you links, I just open tabs. I mean, and-
0: I'm a huge tab group user. I have seven tab groups that I use. Wow. So I'm currently in my recording tab group which has all the things in my recording. And what I like about that is, so say for example, I'm on my iPad in the morning, I can have my recording tab group open, have all my tabs open, I can be editing the document. When I then sit down on my iMac in the evening to record a view, it's just where I left off. And like, I love it as like a persistent thing. And then I can go to my like, I then have a uh, just a general Relay FM tab group, which has all of the tabs I need for publishing. So I switch over to there and do all the stuff I need. I'm a big fan of this feature. I'm happy they're adding more to it. Um, and I like the idea of shared tab groups. I Like, I have a vacation tab group where I keep ideas for vacations. Adina should be shared on that.
1: Yeah, right? I... I have thought about that as a, as a perfect example is for family things. Uh I can really see it because this is just, just as we all knew 10 years ago, but Apple didn't know that perhaps partners want to share their photo libraries with each other. Um, We also have things like going on vacations or other, other shopping for appliances or whatever it is, right. That you are collaborating on Mm -hmm. and having a shared space to do that would be kind of uh, kind of nice. So, so that's a, that, and honestly, that to take it back to collaboration features in general, that's where Apple has uh, has some power because yeah. there are there are small businesses yes, mm-hmm. but there are family groups families, yeah. that are all Apple, and if and if Apple and and you're like oh well business collaboration doesn't make sense for families well some collaboration does maybe it's not the same kind of business document collaboration as you're thinking of but some of those things actually do make sense in for for families or for very very small work groups but i i i just on the larger scale i keep coming back to the fact that even if apple made literally the best collaborative things we might adopt it yes but would it be a game-changing kind of thing i just i just have a hard time because of what apple is trying to do and what who their tools are for i have a hard time seeing it so when i see them demo it and they're like oh boy, everybody's got to get on board here on the collaboration train because we're, we're doing business collaboration. Yeah. Like, look at all these happy business people who are doing this. It's like, okay, but who, who is that? Who actually, what company actually is that that's doing um, that level of collaboration? And mm-hmm. they're, it's Apple's ideal company because they're all on Apple products. Yeah. But the reality, it doesn't really fit that.
0: No. Uh, continuity camera you wrote about that
1: yeah so continuity camera we saw the demo right there was more detail um in uh there were there were some wwdc sessions about it um and first off we were talking about camo and sherlocking of camo um which is a great app that does this i i believe we've already seen that Apple is not willing to go to the level that Camo is in terms of fiddly settings. Yeah. So there are going to be reasons to use Camo. In fact, mm-hmm. I wonder if the APIs for this thing will make Camo be able to transition into being a more fiddly fiddly settings for continuity camera kind of utility in the future. But like, because Camo, you can crop your picture manually. Okay. And remember our complaints about the, uh, about the center stage camera on the studio display and how Apple doesn't let you, uh, Mike, Change the refresh rate manually for your your power yep. in the UK, and yep. how um, I can't say can I get it a little bit uh, a little bit tighter so you don't see the edges of my green screen. And like Apple just seems to not want anyone to ever do anything at that level of detail with their camera. Camo will let you do that. Is there an API though? There is, but I don't know if it's. it's I bet it's, if it's for this access, just to get the. Just to, to just to get the feed from it, yeah. maybe so, maybe so. This is my frustration, though. I, I'm going to say webcam settings is still a thing that they need to offer, yeah. even though that might be a third party opportunity. Because, uh, like like I, I look at this thing and I think, well, yeah, but Camo will be the one that lets me crop it so that my green screen doesn't show. Sure, and this doesn't do that. Yeah. So it, there are some limitations there. Um, in terms of the actual implementation, first off, it's this idea of a system camera which we have not had before, which is like what is the default camera that is in use right now? And Apple has sort of assumed essentially that you only have one camera most of the time and nobody it's an edge case and nobody cares. Now there is this system camera. So you've got cameras that are attached to your computer and then you've got the system camera. And so let me give you an example of this. So I have a new iPhone, or new, it doesn't matter. I have an iPhone running um, iOS 16 and I've got a Mac that's running Ventura and I bring, and they're both logged into the same Apple ID. And I oh, bring. I listening
0: to Mac power users, by the way, yeah. David sparks also a hater of Ventura. So you're not on your own. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. It's not a great place. I'm just saying, like, name, just in case, definitely. I don't know if you've got any Ventura haters in your comments. No, I haven't. Although okay.
1: I, I did, de- I didn't even think about like Ace Ventura pet detective and stuff like that, but I was like, whatever. Yeah. Um, okay. So you bring that. So I saw a great joke.
0: The idea, you know, it could do the lookup mm-hmm. Mac OS Ventura pet detection. I wish I could oh. remember where I saw this
1: joke, but I thought it was hilarious. Okay. All right. So just had to share it. Okay. Um, so continuity camera, you bring your phone close to your Mac. And, it, and at that moment, when they're both logged into the same Apple ID, basically uh-huh. it, your phone is now among the available cameras for your Mac. So you could switch to it and use it in Zoom or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this is actually good because one of the uses of continuity camera is not as a webcam for your face. It's as like a camera for you to show something you're demonstrating, right? Like yeah. when, when the Mac Studio came out, Dan and I did a live stream and I had an iPhone with camo attached mm-hmm. to my, my, my Mac so that I could like show the Mac Studio and the studio display using a handheld camera. So you can do that and it's like a camera on your Mac. However, continuity camera has this other thing where if it's perpendicular to the table and not moving, not shaking. It, it's basically using sensors to detect: Am I mounted? Am I am I mounted somewhere? And if it is, then it becomes the system camera and takes over. For your webcam, <laughs> so so That's so complicated. That, Why can't I just tell it? Well, 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 this is the idea: is you can tell it, okay. But what they want to do is they want to make it magical, right? So they want to make it so that if you get one of these Belkin accessories or whatever, and you and you drop your phone into it right behind your your uh, your Mac's uh, uh, display, and and you let go, it just magically goes bloop. Now so we're on if the I magic had camera. My phone in a dock. No, because it would be, it, I think it's actually sensing that it's on its side and steady. Okay. But if you had a, a sideways dock, maybe it would do this. I. It's weird. We'll see how it works in practice. I think what they want to do is they want to use the sensors in the iPhone to basically detect that it's in webcam mode. Yeah, okay. And when it's in webcam mode, it just flips over so that you don't have to go into Zoom and change your camera. It just changes your camera automatically okay. when you enter that mode. Okay um Hmm. so that's a little weird but but it doesn't and you know whether you'll have to use that feature or not i don't know but it it is separate from the idea that when it's close you can use it as a camera it is a camera input and you could select it and and then i guess the benefit
0: pretty much every single video app shows you your camera view before you start right so if for some reason your iphone camera turns on you could just switch it to your whatever sure. camera
1: before um, you real time follow up, Matt Casanelli. Uh, hi, hi, Matt. It's listening in the chat room uh, says he tried it on his sideways dock and it does work. That is so that means it also doesn't yeah. work because it no wants way. to be. Yeah. It, it, what it's sensing is that it, the phone is on its side and steady, and then yeah. it's like, oh, I'm I've been mounted. Now I'm yeah. going to use this as the primary. Okay, so it's pretty wild. Um, but it's an interesting thing. So the other thing, obviously, is the uh, the desktop uh, desk view, right? Yeah. Which is using the wide, ultra-wide. It's only the ultra-wide camera. And it sees so much that it, it, it's mounted on your computer, but it sees the desk in front of you. Mm-hmm. And so they've done this thing where they're de-skewing it, and they're rotating it, and they're making it available. So the details here are fascinating. One is it's an app. <laughs> And the reason it's an app is because they think the use case for this is in a video conference as the equivalent of a screen share. So they made it an app so that you can share it, share the window of, of the desk view as a, as a screen share. So if you're on Zoom, it'll be your face will still be there. But also now you're sharing your screen, except it's actually you're sharing your desk. Are you following me? <laughs> So, to get the desk view,
0: there is an app in Ventura called what? Desk view? Desk view. And when you open that, if the continuity camera is running, it shows the desk view. So then, in Zoom, you could be like, share my screen. Yes. And choose desk a- and view. And choose desk view, and then it'll share your what desk. Well I will say, whilst that sounds super weird, <laughs> it at least... What I like about it is they could easily just say, we have an API for desk view. We want everyone to adopt it. Or like hey, check out DeskU in FaceTime. It works in fact. At least this way, it shows that they have thought to themselves, right? Like, what is the way that we can build this feature that every single video conferencing tool
1: can use? It? Exactly. And and video conferencing tools don't like two cameras, right? No. So you could switch. And I, I'm unclear if DeskU is also available as a camera. There is an API. So if it's not... Uh, you know, Because there's an API, I imagine they're talking to Zoom and, and WebEx and all those companies about supporting this and being like, oh, now we've got a button to show mm-hmm. your desk view. Uh, but if you don't have something like that, you can just share the window and you'll see it. Mm. I don't know if it's a camera so you could switch to it. Mm. But, um, yeah, it's them saying this is used more like document sharing, like a screen share, than it is like a camera. Okay. Because would you normally, without any context – but, you know, you and I might want to switch to the desk view. And so I, I think that's a I, I don't know the answer to that question. The other thing that is a little tidbit that I wanted to mention that didn't come out in the keynote, I believe, is that, um, so, so center stage uses the ultra wide. Desk view uses the ultra wide. If you're in center stage and desk view at the same time, yes, it is taking the same image and simultaneously cropping and altering two parts of it to generate your center stage and the desk view, which is wild. But what is even wilder wow. is if you're not using center stage, so then it's using center yeah. stage in continuity camera.
0: Yes. So like, so you can use, yes. So continuity can, camera right. includes center stage. And it's using the iPhone's ultra wide camera to do that. And it's
1: using the ultra wide camera. Even though the iPhone currently doesn't do that. Exactly iPhone doesn't do center stage, but it does in continuity camera mode. Okay. So, so if you're not using center stage, though, it uses the wide camera. Yeah. And so, in that scenario, if you're using desk view and center or and con- um, continuity camera, um, it's using different iPhone cameras. Yes. It's using one iPhone camera to do the document view yep. and it's using a different iPhone camera to do your portrait view. And that's what I higher. I
0: think everybody had just assumed that it was that was all it did. But what yes. you're saying is you can say, turn on center stage mode.
1: Yes. And then it, and then it's doing if you can imagine it yep. like two different machine learning algorithms are eating different portions of the of the of the camera I output. don't know
0: if this is true if this is another <laughs> myth or not but like it's one of those things you hear that like certain fighter pilots are trained to use both of their eyes independently so they can look at different consoles I don't know if you have ever heard Hi. this I've heard this I don't know if that's true but that's how I imagine it like the iPhone it's using one lens and it's looking in two different yeah, directions that's it
1: it's giving itself uh Kind of like a, a lazy eye. That's it's, wild. It's, it's pretty. It's pretty wild. And then there's a portrait mode, which they talked about there, which is yeah. you know, again, essentially they're just adding features that they already have built somewhere. Yeah. And they're and they're putting them in. So the, the lighting one is
0: is fun because that's like the first really I think good use case of the portrait. Uh, the portrait lighting, lighting.
1: Yeah. Is is if you're in a badly lit uh, video chat, <laughs> and and now you don't need a ring light, I guess, because you can use portrait lighting, which essentially is using. Um, Object detection to, or depending on the camera, I suppose it's actually using um, a depth map, and then it's pulling you out and lightening you, Mm. and it's darkening the area behind you. It's just
0: something so funny about faking a ring light. Why don't you just light, like, lighten the whole image? It's just something funny about that to me. Of like, oh, is your image too dark? We will pretend you have a light on you.
1: The argument is that if you're if you're backlit. Yeah. You can't lighten the whole image. What you really want to do is lighten the the dark part of the image and darken the light part of the image mm. to get them to be a little bit closer. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's it so is this is all another example. I mean, look, I I, I don't want to say this to belittle continuity camera because I actually think this is a brilliant feature. And the number one thing about it is that unlike camo, Apple is has the home field advantage. And so Apple gets to come up with that feature that it just detects that you want it and it turns it on. Whereas camo, you've got to like launch the app and then turn it around and, and you know, the screen has to stay on and all this stuff. And Apple doesn't have to behave that way. Apple can just say now it's a camera. (laughs) It's magic. Mm. And, and that's all great. However, beyond that, which is a great detail, when you look at the details of the features of Continuity Camera, it is another example of Apple recycling all of its features into various products, which they have to do. They have how many OSs now? They have to do it. But this is a this is a perfect example where it's like, oh, we got lots of image effects. What effects do you need? And they're like, okay, I'll take center stage and uh, and portrait mode and uh, uh, the one of the portrait lighting. And can you get me something that uh, shows me what's on my desk? Okay, yeah, all right, I'll take that too. Mm. And that's what it is. So one new feature, three recycled features.
0: This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Uni Pizza Ovens. Uni is the world's number one pizza oven company. They make surprisingly small ovens powered by your choice of either wood, charcoal, or gas, letting you make restaurant-quality pizza in your own backyard. Uni Pizza Ovens are super po- easy to use. They're really portable and will fit in any outside space. Ooni pizza ovens can reach temperatures of up to 900 degrees Fahrenheit or 500 degrees Celsius, letting you cook restaurant-quality pizza in as little as 60 seconds. It is that high temperature that separates these pizzas from those that you'd make in a regular home oven. One of their most popular models is the Uni Coda 16. This is a gas-powered oven that will let you cook up to 16-inch pizzas and has an innovative L-shaped burner at the back that gives you even heat distribution throughout. That one's fine. Yep. That one's Uni. Fine.
1: <laughs> it's here. This is my backyard. It's we here. are in
0: the Uni pizza oven. It's very close, homemade, actually. Here. It's just a few feet away. Uni was in the keynote. Were they? Yep. They were the demonstration of Apple Pay. Ah. I freaked out. I was so excited <laughs> for the cuz I know I've known the, the uni company for a really 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 long time. Uh I've been thankful to be friends with the founders for a while. And it, yeah, they were in in like the multi thing, it was the Unicoda sixteen was in the keynote. Wow, absolutely, it, it was very fun. Uh, that, but uh, they also have uh, starting at two hundred ninety nine dollars. They have a bunch of different options. They have free shipping to the US, UK, and EU, as well as the Unicoda sixteen. One of their other cool, really really cool models is the multi fueled Unicaru. It can use wood, charcoal, or gas. Only make an app to help you perfect your dough recipe. And they also have all of the accessories that you'd want from peels to cutters to oven tables to that awesome laser thermometer. Yeah. Listeners of this show can get 10% off their purchase of an Uni pizza oven, which could be up to $50 off an Unico code of 16 by just going to Uni.com. That's O O N I.com and using the code UPGRADE22 at checkout. Everyone wants to make excellent pizza at home, especially in their beautiful back garden, just like what the Snails have out here. And this is the perfect tool for the job. Uni pizza ovens are the best way to bring restaurant quality pizza to your own backyard. Just go to uni.com and use the code upgrade22 for 10% off. Our thanks to Uni Pizza Ovens for their support of this show. I didn't, and I can see Tony in the chat saying Mike knew them before they changed the spelling of their name. It used to be UUNI. Oh. Weird. Which, uh, I don't remember, I think it might have been in, it meant something in... Finnish or something? Finnish or Danish, <laughs> I don't remember. And I, and I don't want to offend Christian by saying the wrong one, so I'm not going to give it to anything. Alright. So you mentioned earlier on that you, quote, mistakenly installed Ventura.
1: Yep. Oops. What does that mean? What does that mean exactly? Whoops, I did it again. Whoopsie. <laughs> so, Okay. Here's a here's a maybe the experts out there can tell me what I did wrong here but what I'd like to do is install the beta on a new volume on my computer, right? So I can keep my existing Monterey installation and then also have Ventura and I can reboot into Ventura because although that's not ideal cuz you really want to live with it, I also Record podcasts and audio hijack, which I use to do everything, including this. Um, Rogue Amoeba has had enough with your beta testing. They, uni, di- they disable.
0: So U-U-N-I, uni, is finished for oven. If you're an Upgrade Plus subscriber, you don't know why I just said that,
1: but there you go. All right, thank you. <laughs> it's a correction from the ad, okay? It's an ad you didn't hear, but <laughs> mm, pizza is tasty. Uh-huh. This, this this episode is also brought to you by pizza, which is tasty. <laughs> Sorry, I what what was I even saying? Oh, so oh, rogue amoeba, yeah, rogue amoeba um, has had it with your complaints about their apps not running in the betas. They just disable them. They the, the, the if you try to launch their apps in the in a beta, they're like this app doesn't work in the beta mm. um they just have built that in and i rely on them so i can't do that uh so the problem is the way apple distributes the beta is via a development profile a developer profile that you download that's a basically a uh uh it changes where the software update server looks yeah and it looks at a different software update server and there's one for public beta there's also one for developer beta And when you press, so I did that and I restarted because I thought, well, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to go in and I'm going to download it or whatever. And then I got distracted. There was a lot going on. And I came back and there was a a thing that was like, like, uh, do you want me to go ahead with this or whatever? And I'm like, sure. And then I went, no. Oh, because that machine, I see. And it doesn't update. Yes. To the existing system. Yep. So my, my
0: complaint this is I to always, Apple at a certain point get rid of that. Like I get rid of it from my iPad or yeah. whatever. You
1: know? So my complaint to Apple, and again, correct me if there's another way to do this, but I I want to I want to download it and install it on a different target. That's what I want to do. And I don't think I don't think you can. I think the way I ended up doing this last year was making a new target, installing the current OS at a blank form on that target, booting into that OS, putting the download, putting the profile on there, and then updating it to the beta. But that's dumb. I just did two OS installs when I could have done one. So that would be my complaint, is it ought to be easier to get an install target that is not just an upgrade to the existing one Anyway, it was too late. I, I did it and I thought that I, I was going to be able to swerve away and I did not swerve away. At which point, my system has been updated to the beta. Uh, my audio recording stuff no longer works. What am I going to do? And the answer was that in the end... Uh, it doesn't I got, really matter. I got lots, of, ba- so I got lots of backups. I got yeah. a carbon copy cloner backup. I got a time machine backup. In the end, what I did was I tried to migrate And I had some issues where I used Migration Assistant to migrate my files from my backup to a new Monterey install. And everything went there except that um, neither Dropbox nor iCloud Drive was functional. So like iCloud Drive, it just sat at setting up iCloud Drive. I left it overnight, still sat there. And Dropbox also just basically stopped working. That sounds horrible. I hate this. (laughs) Well, I hate it too. It it was horrible. So what I decided to do is I installed, I made a new uh, volume and installed a new version of Monterey on it, wiped the Monterey version I'd been playing with. And on on this one, I think I only, oh, no, no, I didn't install a new version of Monterey. I deleted my user. I deleted my my user and I made a new user. Um, so, so I was starting fresh with an asterisk, which is yeah. I was starting fresh. All my apps were installed, so that was good. But all my user folder stuff was not. That oh. was not installed. Oh, the wind is picking up. Yeah, We might get blown away. It's nice. Uh, it is. It's a pleasant day. Yep. Um, it's 70 degrees right here. I can tell you. It's in my menu bar. Oh, because we've got the weather it's, station. It's like right, right, right over there. It's, wow. So, um, I can see a hummingbird. bud. yeah. Just yeah letting, there's you know, like a humming my neighbor has a hummingbird feeder i can see it it's yeah.
0: beautiful i can see it. It's, it's humming around
1: yeah no cats have appeared Man, yet. we should
0: always record like this
1: just outside I mean, it's, it's a commute in, somewhere me. in california yeah but i know it's nice we'll bank them we'll okay. come on and record like 20 episodes of upgrade
0: <laughs> every episode is basically a draft at yes, that point
1: of something mm-hmm. so um so anyway yeah so i i i, I drive wasn't working and um I sync a bunch of stuff. Oh, so many apps sync stuff with the iCloud Drive. Like I couldn't not use it. My BBEdit preferences are in there. Like everything's in there. Oh God! So what I did was, so I did the I did the thing where I uh, I made a new user that's an admin. Uh-huh. Then I logged in as the admin. Then I deleted my Jay user. Hi, then I just Then I made a new Jay user, um, uh, and deleted the admin account. And now I'm back. Except I have nothing in my user folder. And so it was. And I decided, like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to start fresh and clean, keeping in mind that my old user folder is on the computer. It's sitting there. So I can copy anything I need from the user folder if I need it. But I'm going to go – I'm going to start fresh. So, you know, over the course of that day, I, keep, I kept launching apps and having to look up their oh. serial number. Or all of that. I didn't love that part. You had all of the
0: pain parts of a, getting a new computer yes. without actually getting one.
1: Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Exactly. But iCloud Drive worked and Dropbox worked. So mm-hmm. that, that was good. Um, so yeah, I, I, a combination of starting things up fresh and putting in the serial numbers, all the App Store stuff just worked because App Store. And then sometimes I'd launch an app and I'd be like, oh, this app looks really weird or it doesn't have my stuff and then i would quit out of the app and i would open my user folder and the old from user the ventura folder and quotation. well not ventura for my backup from right before right. ventura got installed and i would pull over like the preferences files and like i uh, the stream deck had nothing and i looked online like where is the stream deck file kept and it said oh it's here and i copied those over and it still had nothing on the stream deck i'm like do i have to remake the entire stream deck and then i found a post somewhere that said It's actually in this other folder. It's not in the Elgato folder. It's in the com.elgato.streamdeck folder. And I copied that over and then it worked. So it was an adventure game of like, where are the, like I opened logic and logic looked weird and I'm like, no. And I had to go copy all the logic files over and, and reauthenticate. And so, so I, I'm now I'm back basically up and running fresh, but it took a a little while to get there. So you're not going to be running Ventura anymore then? Well, I have Ventura on there, in the old the old one. So you can boot into that? I can boot into Ventura. Okay. But um, I'm not going to live there because, uh, again, I can't do any podcasts you like or anything Ventura. there. You know? You're it's, not going to live there. You no, know, you don't want to You just visit. It's not fine. sure
0: I agree with the audio hijack thing of, like, we're just not going to let you use our apps. Like, I understand the frustration as a developer trying to support someone during that period, but unless they know it's 100% definitely broken, yeah, I think that that's, that's surely only going to cause more issues for them from a support perspective than I, less.
1: I get, I get that it, they've been burned by it, but I, that's sure. my question is, do you know that it doesn't work? Because if it does work and you're disabling it out of some sort of beta spite, that's not great. But like, you know, if you think
0: it might work, say, for 50% of people, right? So you're only going to hear from fifty percent of your users that install that. But now a it's one hundred. Now you're going to get hear from one hundred percent of people. People that are just going to be mad at you, right? I'd be
1: surprised. That well, could. And this was obviously preemptive, right? The yeah. moment that the moment that I installed it, it's not like there had been an update. It, it was waiting for the new version it didn't so matter that it could it disable itself.
0: Yeah, it could have been a new version of macOS that changed now, nothing. But it it's is just possible a version s- number they don't know. Since
1: they've got weird extensions and stuff, it's possible that they actually have to explicitly sure. sign or code or something the extension mm-hmm. in order for it to work with a specific OS version and that they can't do it. It's possible, but it doesn't feel like that to me. It feels like they got burned so many times that they just turned it off. <laughs> i feel like if
0: it was that she say then they would have this of every point release wouldn't they
1: yeah that's probably true so probably too if if they if they check it out with the betas and it actually does work okay they should they should not turn it off they mm-hmm. should tr- or they should do an update that turns it back on yeah Weird. but yeah
0: aside from your ventura disaster oh man Have you been running any other betas?
1: I have. Uh, I spent, while all this was going on on my Mac, I did spend a lot of time. So as you know... I currently possess two studio displays because I don't have to send Uh my studio display back until the end of the summer, and I am going to take that extended, not even extended, a long loan period, and I'm using it because it's been valuable. I got to update the firmware in one and not the other and all of that. So I set up a little iPad station with an iPad Air, M1 iPad Air, because again, I didn't want to go into the beta world on my iPad Air, or my iPad Pro either, Uh but I have an M1 iPad Air. Um, so I installed the beta on that and attached it to a studio display and attached it to a keyboard yep. and a magic trackpad yep. and set it up as a little alternate computer next to my computer.
0: The M1 iPad Air is a fantastic iPad. You like it? I love it because I mean, for me, it has everything the iPad pro does except 11 inch.
1: And, and touch id versus face id yeah think?
0: i mean that's the first it's that's the only downside that i've found because compared to my ipad mini the screen is so much better oh my god the ipad mini i know they say it's it's not even it's not the same the, the quality of that screen is nowhere near as good the ipad Airs screen looks absolutely fantastic i've been really enjoying it Really enjoying it. That's the only beta I've used myself is is iPad OS. Yeah. Um. Obviously, I haven't had an external display or anything, but I brought my 2018 11 inch with me with the Magic Keyboard, and now I, so I'm using the Magic Keyboard with this iPad Air. And I've got to say, a big fan of of stage manager. Yeah. I keep going to go keep trying to call it center stage yeah, in my brain. Center stage. Uh, I really like it. I really like it
1: i i don't i don't know what to think of it i think it's rough and i think that there's a lot of work they have to do i think that if i if i if i give them the benefit of the doubt that they have the whole summer to kind of like shape it up i think it's got a lot of potential i'm happier that it exists even in its current state i'm kind of happier that it exists than that it didn't exist right like i want this to exist well here it is the fact that you can use an ipad on a uh, with window a windowing mode on your iPad, but also that you can do the external display thing, which is like just mind blowing mm-hmm. to sit down. And it looks like it looks. I sent you a picture. I sent you and Stephen a picture of what looks like a Mac. Right? It looks. It's a it's a studio display with some windows open and a backdrop mm-hmm. picture, and it's an iPad. And there's a dog. And there's a dock at the right. bottom. Right, which is your your tell with me because the dock wouldn't be at the bottom, be on the on the right side. I wouldn't right have on the bottom
0: either. I'm not a monster.
1: Um, but there it is because that's the, you have no choice on uh-huh. the iPad. It's that you're gonna get it the way they want. Um, it is, you know, part of it is getting used to it because yeah. it's it, it's a different system. Part of it is the weirdness of the different size classes and the apps. So resizing is is kind of an adventure, right? It's like imagine. Imagine you have a, like a friendly dog, and then you resize the window, and it's an angry dog. It's a little like that, right? Where you're like, oh, it's a different app now. And, and some of the apps don't, bless their hearts, some of the apps don't have no, any idea what they're doing. Like mm-hmm. Slack. Uh, and again, they, they, it wasn't written with this mode in mind. They didn't even know it existed. But it's still hilarious. Like Slack in, in Stage Manager uh, just won't show the sidebar. Unless it's in full screen. It's like, no no, I don't know what size this is, but it's not full screen, so you don't no sidebar for you. And that's just like I mean, they'll fix it. And every app is struggling with
0: the keyboard.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, because again, they yeah. they don't know these are all. I think it's amazing that they work at all. I can't believe with stock apps. But that's because yeah. Apple has been using but these still. kind of window, you know, or uh, you know, window management mm-hmm. APIs for multitasking. And so these poor little apps, they don't know that they're in in Stage Manager. I, they I just think they're in a weird multitasking mode,
0: like the original multitasking, <laughs> where the only apps you could try out Apple's is Apple's apps. But every app works to some degree. To some degree, like if it can do a split screen, it will work with Stage Manager manager and like you know there are weird parts of it where like on the ipad version of this it wants the apps to be in certain sizes and in certain positions and apple's going to put them there for you and it does this thing where it's like you want two apps that overlap each other you can kind of see one out the back so you can tap on it and bring it to the front right but like it's done a thing for me which i've really enjoyed which is like three or four app multitasking yeah and that's just not a thing you could do before i know Like, and I've been doing multitasking without a keyboard in portrait mode. And you can have two apps in horizontal on top of each other.
1: Oh, isn't that nice? And it's
0: really nice. It's like a different way of doing things where it's like there are certain apps where, like, that is actually
1: just a nicer experience. I think one of the big things that is not, I mean, again, developer beta Uh 1. Like, there's so much more ground to cover here before they are done. But um, one of the things that struck me is that... uh, these apps all run which is great but most apps don't understand the concept of multiple windows even safari even like safari, doesn't even work should, out what's going you should, on you should be able to drag a tab out of safari yeah. right and make a new window next to it so yeah. you can have two different because that's actually a common use like, case is I've comparing been a two stage, documents in safari
0: like i was doing this today to, to prepare for this show i had a stage that had google docs notes and a safari window right yeah so I tap a link in Notes, and it would go to another stage and open a oh, brand new Safari yeah. window. I mean, there's, what are you there, doing? There's, there's <laughs> some bugs. I was yeah. logging into
1: Slack, and Slack <laughs> needed to open Safari to log me in, and all of a sudden, uh, the whole thing just got sucked over onto the iPad screen from yeah. the from the external display. And that's you know, it's a combination of there's bugs in the betas because they're betas, and um, not all the apps know about this yet that it's all going to get worked out but i'm encouraged by it right like it's not going to be for everyone that's the beauty of the fact that it's a little button that you choose in control center and if you're not in it it just is a normal button,
0: right it's like now i'm going into promo it essentially is that right
1: and um i think it's gonna be good i think like again I, i haven't give me some time to like think about it philosophically and some of the choices they've made, maybe a little weird and maybe they'll tweak them as they go. But I'm encouraged by it because it is, I think in the grand tradition, like with the cursor support, the pointer support of Apple taking a thing that we know that is Uh so familiar from 1984 and trying to do their modern take on it. And some of the things that they're doing are going to frustrate some users, but like, not being able to lose a window behind another window is actually really important for usability because it's really easy to lose a window yeah. having a a shelf with window sets on it, it have is interesting i'm not sure it's right but it's it's i get what they're doing there even though i'm not sure if the implementation is exactly right the ironically when they introduced the little thing at the top of a, of every uh, window, the multitasking little widget mm-hmm. nubbin thing in in iPadOS 15 a lot of the complaints were that it was it was a wasted space and it was it was too big and it got in the way and i know when i'm editing in ferrite i tap it by mistake all the time and i'm super frustrated by it well guess what it needs to be bigger it needs to be a bigger target because it's now super important because you need to do things like dismiss a window and send it out off over into the shelf
0: i don't want to ever have to hit the three dots i want that thing there permanently like to, it, it annoys me with the controls on it. yes that like, I have like to, the little three yes. things on the mac it annoys me that i have to hit the three dots and then hit the yeah. thing to make it so go full. two screen. clicks i or just taps. want it there all the time now
1: because you want to be able to send that that yep. window away go or away bring it, or, or bring let me back. open
0: this in full screen for a second you know
1: yeah so there, there's there's some functionality and some some interaction stuff there that i, I have some questions about I also am not entirely convinced that having the dock and the shelf is not a really weird mixed metaphor. Yeah. I, I I get why they're not the same. And so I get why they're visible. And sometimes what I found in my brief use of it is sometimes that's the best way to bail out of something. And you're like, well, how do yeah. I do this? And the answer is, I'm just going to click in the dock and drag out the Safari icon and make a new Safari mm-hmm. window, which you can do, which is actually kind of a great thing. But yet now I've got these things over here and these things over here. And like, it's, it, there's a lot, and, and they're at an a, a jaunty angle. <laughs>
0: and, I don't like the jaunty angle. I no. wish, I, one thing I wish it would do on the iPad, if I click the home, the desktop, it takes me to the home screen. That's what I wanted to do. It doesn't do that. I wish oh. it would do that. Yeah. Um, I like that you can kind of make the dock disappear if you want to. You just gotta make the app big enough. Yeah, That's yeah, this is kinda something,
1: good. Something that people might not have realized that if you want to make the dock or the shelf yeah. or whatever they call it, I've just been calling it the shelf, disappear. Literally all you do is move your window over it and or, or, or make your window tall enough and the dock just, just goes, goes away because you're you say you I wanna space. use that space. Yeah. Which is good because the most frustrating center stage experience is you have one window. Stage manager or oh, sorry, stage manager. Uh, <laughs> you, you're doing it to me. One window, and it's sort of like a window inside an iPad window with all the cr- all the like yeah. things around, and it's like, well, that's a waste yeah. of space. You should take it to full screen mode if you're going to leave it like that. Yeah. And that's why I, it would be nice to have a button to just say, make this full screen right here, um, because some apps are better in full screen. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a work in progress. It's I'll a like beta, that. but I think it's got a lot of potential, and I think that... I'm that, um, actually, yeah.
0: having used it for the past five six days on ipad i can't wait to use it on my mac i'm a spaces user i have like two spaces i like yeah and i would like to have more and i tried this for a while i set up like four spaces so none of my windows overlapped but then it was too much zooming backwards and forwards all the time and I'm like, swipe, 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 swipe. But with Stage Manager, it all kind of feels like it's there. Like, it's what I found with, with mm. the iPad. It all just feels like it's there. And the animation of bringing the apps forward is way nicer. I find it way nicer than the way it was on iPad, where it's like things are spinning around all the time, right? right. Like, this is. I think this is a nicer way of doing things. And I could imagine collecting up all of my apps into these little stages, i'm pretty into it as a feature i I think this is a this you know this is the best foundation that they are building from i think i think this is better than the split screen foundation from ios 9 i think this is a place where there could be a lot more expandability if you may allow me actually we could go into a very quick rumor roundup
1: yeah i was going to say one of the things that this implies is is the future of of the iPad mm-hmm. I, just before, just to, to maybe close on, on stage manager yep. a moment before we, before we leap over the fence into the corral <laughs> is this. I, I think that if I had to boil down my concerns about stage manager as of beta one right now, the two that I have that are the biggest are actually, I'm not sure that that shelf is quite right. Yeah, And I, and what you said, which is I think controls for moving windows around need to not be hidden behind a very hard to tap on little widget that then exposes more controls yep. i think that there needs to be a much easier way to very quickly rearrange or send off individual windows yep. and it's just not there yet i think they need to that needs to be more explicit
0: Room around roundup yeah Ross Ta-ding. Young, display analyst, is reporting that a 4.1-inch iPad Pro is currently in development for release in early 2023, featuring a mini-LED ProMotion display it has been corroborated by Mark Gurman at Bloomberg, who also says next year. Uh, Mark also talks about 11 and 12.9-inch iPad Pro updates on the horizon for this year as well. Makes sense. Go bigger. Keep going bigger now. Yeah,
1: this is this is the um, in fact it's funny, I was listening to ATP from last week. Which
0: I said is four. three hours ago. I said 4.1. 4.1. So <laughs> 14.1 inches.
1: But it's scroll, it's a it's a foldable.
0: I have a COVID brain. What do you want from okay.
1: me? Okay. ATP last week, before this rumor came out, they were talking about um, stage manager and Syracuse, I think, said, Hey, um, bring on the bigger iPads. And, you know, we were all thinking it. But like, then this rumor comes out, and it's like, well, of course, because once you've got this system, because if you just scale the existing full screen and split screen modes, I think it shows you here with the external display support yeah. being added too. This is Apple sort of saying, we don't think it makes uh, like a full screen app makes sense in these bigger sizes. It's just kind of ridiculous. Yep. Well, now that this is here, they can do that and and bring it on. Yep. Like, I I think is it going to be for everyone? Does everybody want a 15 inch iPad? Well, no, no. but. But people have fifteen-inch laptops, and they like those. Yeah. And and I could see it. I could see some interesting accessories here. Maybe there's you know something. Maybe it's just a giant magic keyboard, but maybe there's they have some other weird stand that they do with it that lets you create your little Surface Studio kind of thing on your desk. I don't know.
0: I mean, like you say, like fourteen inches. That seems too big for a lap for an iPad, but that's as big as my MacBook that I'm ta- that I've got in front of me right now,
1: and like. I'm yeah. not like, oh, this thing is unwieldy, no, you know. No, that's... And, it's just a laptop size. And that's a laptop with the whole keyboard attached to yeah. it, too, whereas this would just be a screen. I think, yeah, I mean, there's the argument that it, as an iPad being something you hold in your hands, it's uh, it's it's kind of big. But, yeah, I, I think the, the truth is either the people who are complaining about, like, the idea of a bigger iPad, either it's a failure of imagination or it's simply it's just sort of not for them. And that's fine, but, like, there are definitely just artists with the apple pencil i know that there are people who would die for a 15 inch ipad Mm -hmm. to have that all addressable space for apple pencil and then you think about well yes and then you can also put it in the stage manager mode and put it in a magic keyboard and now you've got a 15 inch laptop running ipad ipad os like there's so much going on there um there's just a lot of potential it's it's exciting
0: you said 15 inches I mean, this rumor is 14 inches, oh, 14 inches. Because, okay, but there is a 15-inch rumor. Mark Gurman is rumors. reporting that Apple is yet? working on a MacBook Air with a 15-inch uh, screen go. for release, quote, as early as next spring, also developing what would be its smallest laptop in years, a new 12-inch laptop by the end of 2023. So what we're looking at is next year, assumedly taking this current MacBook Air design, and going both bigger and smaller with yeah. it to have three yeah. MacBook Airs in the lineup.
1: Yeah, I think that this is partly the dam bursting because Apple Silicon has enabled new models, right? Yeah. And it feels like they were holding off on a bunch of stuff because of Apple Silicon. And th- and this MacBook Air design is literally now we can design this thing for Apple Silicon, whereas the last one was just in the in the case of the old MacBook Air and not. Um, any different mm-hmm. on the outside. What, three-quarters of the Macs, Apple sells are laptops? It doesn't actually make sense for there only to be four models.
0: I mean, and they have said our most popular Mac is the MacBook Air. Yes. And, I mean, and I'm sure the thinking is, which I would agree with, it would probably be only more popular if we had it in a bunch of sizes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's it. I think that, why not? There are three MacBook Pros and one MacBook Air. Mm-hmm. And... Three quarters of your Mac sales are are laptops. Why would you not yeah. market it better and yeah. provide more models and more shapes and sizes? I know that there's now the M2 and the M1, but they're they're functionally it's the old and the and the new of the same. Yeah. But a 12 inch Apple Silicon MacBook Air, so as because uh, remember the new one is almost 14 inches, right? It's 13 point six six, yeah. like it's it's getting it's getting bigger. But it's basically the
0: same, right? It's, like, it's yeah. basically the same. Like, really, it's it's. I assume they're the same
1: footprint, but it, yeah. it's just because they decrease the bezels. But you could make a smaller laptop. Well,
0: but that's the question, right? With like, the, why do you the make... With the notch and all of yeah. that, you
1: could make a smaller laptop that would be narrower and lighter. Yeah. It doesn't have a fan just like the Air. Mm-hmm. And it's for people... Like, I was talking to Dan Morin um, last Friday for our Six Colors podcast about this, and, like, he's a, he, he and I are both, like, former 11-inch MacBook Air yeah. people. Me too. That's like... Right, so it's I would like,
0: love that little
1: a little I, one. Oh my god! I I I would take a, I would lose a little screen space. Yeah. to get an even thinner, even lighter twelve-inch MacBook Air. Sign me up for that, With and then all like, that power in it as well. Yeah, and likewise, there are some people who want to buy a MacBook Air but wish it had a bigger screen. And right now, Apple's whole story is: well, if you want a bigger screen, now you're up in the two thousands. Yeah or $2,000 plus in order to buy You have to buy a MacBook Pro. Yep. And it's like, does, does somebody who just wants a 15-inch screen need a, an M2 Pro processor? They don't. No, They don't. Some people need it, but there are lots of people who don't need it yep. and just want to have a bigger screen. And so why not let them have that? Again, I, I, what I keep coming back to is three-quarters of the Macs sold are laptops. And Apple has not really pushed it for a while in terms of what they have on offer Mm -hmm. because
0: it's like why not like what why does the macbook pro your less popular laptop come in two sizes yeah but your most popular laptop comes (laughs) in one size i guess technically three sizes but but we don't count the 13-inch macbook pro because that i think just exists for like legacy yeah like reasons, yeah, and marketing reasons, yeah, and um, then forget about the cheaper one because they're functionally right. the same no, size. The, currently,
1: the modern what we would call modern Mac laptops, there's the M2 Air and the 14 and the 16 yeah. Pro. MacBook
0: Pro. So why not have three MacBook Airs and two MacBook Pros? Like why not? do Why that? not? Indeed,
1: yeah. yeah, right. Because they they will find their own their their own niches. It'll it allows Apple to charge more mm-hmm. for a larger laptop it allows uh, yeah uh, more product differentiation i mean, i love this idea of more laptops let's make it happen
0: <laughs> mark elman is also uh, reporting that an m2 pro and m2 max macbook pros will be coming at the end of 2022 uh, no radical changes to those products but the chips will go up to 12 performance cores they're currently at 10 and up to 38 GPU cores from 32. So kind of, again, this is like what we saw from the M1 to the M2. Not huge differences, but just continues, like charts go up. Yep, charts go up. Uh, And obviously there are hints of the next iPhone getting an always-on display in iOS 16's code. There are similar references to the way uh, for handling the lock screen, quote-unquote widgets, which are complications, but they call widgets, in the same way. So it's like backlight management stuff. So there's all these references to like dimming states and stuff like that which would only exist if there was the need for a always on display but if you just look at that lock screen design it's very clear that an always on display is in the future
1: yeah it's it's pretty clear also since all complications are now going to be widgets then all widgets are no not all widgets are complications but all complications are widgets
0: Yes, uh, I was talking to underscore about this because obviously Dave is very focused on these right now. Sure, developers have to enable them to be available. So, like if you have an Apple Watch app that has complications, they don't automatically. Oh yeah, go on the screen. But you can automatically have them go over. But there is more space available to you. So I've been seeing lots of developers tweak what they have on the Apple Watch to allow for this larger space.
1: I was watching how um, Simon uh, Simon Scriptable. Uh, was testing this out because I love Scriptable and I wrote a, a widget in JavaScript to do my home weather station and to do air quality. Mm-hmm. And he's got it working now where you can use his app to generate these home screen widgets, these lock screen widgets mm-hmm. instead. And I had that moment where I thought, oh my God, I'm going to be able to put the temperature in my weather station on my iPhone lock screen now. It's pretty great like uh, for me. But the point is like, There's going to be all sorts of glanceable information that we're going to be able to put out there. That's really fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yes, I think it is inevitable that we're going to get – I'm a little surprised we didn't already get it. But, you know, with OLED on the iPhone, they'll say something about how this is a new screen that uses less power. – it'll be exactly what they said about the Apple Watch, right? When they went to the always-on Apple Watch, they said, well, this one, we had to engineer the screen a little differently in order to support – Always on. And it doesn't mean that they couldn't do it now. It's just they would use so much power that it would be bad for battery life to do it. And they're going to have a a new story for that phone in the fall. And then you're going to be able to see these things. And that's going to be weird, right? Like to have an iPhone and your iPhone's laying there and it's not a featureless slab. I know people who have Android phones that do this have experienced this already. But for us iPhone users, it's going to be a weird change.
0: Yeah, we've got some ask upgrade questions about this later on that I wanted to touch on, uh, nice. which we'll get to. Which I think is an interesting thought on that exact exact point.
1: You know, in some ways, this is my favorite episode of the year, because this is the episode where we have there has been so much to talk about mm-hmm. that we have actually not been able to talk about everything. Plus, we've got a little bit of a a week to think about it. These these sort of post event event episode things so this is fun plus you know we're outside it's very nice
0: this is i'm enjoying i'm enjoying this episode very much and if Fair you're height. thinking wow this is a long episode we're like halfway through i <laughs> think <Yeah. laughs> if we're our document anyway so that's right we're at the here moment, till the sun goes down i'm having the greatest time so we're gonna keep on going this episode is brought to you by electric turning a small business into an empire takes work and you have to keep your ear to the ground for things that will help you take things to the next level But that can be hard when all of your attention is pulled in different directions because that is the reality of being a boss. The team over at Electric know how small businesses maybe like yours face these challenges. That's why they've solved this problem for you by operating as your IT department. So instead of spending your time sorting through unused application licenses, setting up employee laptops, and answering never-ending IT questions from your team, you can build that empire. With Electric acting as your IT department, you'll be able to get back to doing what you're best at. Plus, you get a really cool IT platform to see and manage everything. I know this from being a business owner myself. Like, this isn't necessarily what you think about. You're trying to do the thing that you're setting out to do. If you have a small company and you need to get uh, equipment to people you don't necessarily think that oh if they don't know how to use it they're just going to ask you in, and, and you have to find a way to fix it for them and if that's not your strong suit that can be really time consuming and really difficult but this is what electric will step in to help you with for upgrade listeners electric are offering a free pair of beats solo three headphones for taking a qualified meeting just go to electric.ai upgrade that's electric.ai upgrade go there right now and get your free pair of beats solo three headphones today for scheduling and meeting our thanks to electric for their support of this show and relay fm so we did speak about on the last episode that we would come back to the m2 and the macbook air a little bit um one of the things that's really like sat with me since our last episode about the m2 is this idea of apple doubling down on the bets that they made with the m1 and so there's a couple of places where I think this makes the most sense for me. One is the unified memory thing. Now, you know, we didn't really know what to expect with unified memory when it came to the M1, right? It was a new thing for us. Like, is this really going to work out? What is this going to be like? And not only did it work out great, they've actually ended up making it better so they have was it like faster memory bandwidth they're using lp5 memory right
1: it's it's the memory like there are a few things that are like the pro and the max that are in the m1 generation that are now in the base model m2 Mm -hmm. and one of them is they're using the lp5 instead of the lp4 which is faster Mm -hmm. and allows for more density yep which is what they said is why it's 24 gigs maximum is Uh that the modules actually just can be denser and they're faster. So you you're, everything that's happening is going faster yep. in terms of all the memory transfer because that that again it's not maybe uh it's it's more M2 like or M1 Pro like in the M2.
0: So and then also the fact that there's now a higher level you can go up to 24 gigabytes which I keep stumbling on because that sounds so it's weird, weird to my ears for right. what RAM can be. Apple can just choose because yeah. they don't have sticks. Yes, right. So yeah, yeah. So I think
1: I think when I talk about the density, I think that that's literally it. Is what can we fit on this? They've you know limitations of power and the and size. Uh, with the M2, they don't want to make it like there's going to be an M2 Pro and an M2 Max, right? So they got to choose what the constraints are for the M2. But when they decided to use the faster RAM, that allowed them to put a little bit more on. Uh, to reach like the max that they were willing to willing to do for the base model chip, so the base model chip gets a little more capable, which I think is what we were all hoping. Is mm-hmm. that, that was definitely one of the things that everybody felt about the M1 originally was was a bit, uh, you know, sixteen was not enough for some people. And yeah. and honestly, eventually they, those people can buy a MacBook Pro mm-hmm. with an M1 Pro or an M1 Max in it, and they get more RAM and they're they're happy about it. But um, this brings it down for the base models too, so it's good.
0: And I would say, like, having used an M1 for, like, a year or whatever, 16 was not enough for me. 24 would be, I expect, enough. It's between, you know, that feels just like a higher, it is a higher level, I expect it would be enough, but I just think that's really interesting that they went ahead and pushed on those things. The same as, like, the power to performance stuff, like, that's where they're continuing to push on because that's what's been the big thing that people love, right? It's, like, there is an incredible amount of power at very low power consumption. Right. And that is, that's been the big thing for every, like for what is, you know, like from tech reviewers to consumers of why these machines have been such a hit is that these, there are these laptops that have incredible battery life and they're about as powerful as anything else in their class, plugged in or not. It's kind of fantastic. Just and, to be clear, yeah.
1: though, the base model is 8. So, mm. so you have to go eight to sixteen to twenty four. That's not changed though, has so it? So you're going no, no, but it's just, just just to be clear. Yeah, but people so a lot
0: of people would get by on eight. I'm not that yeah. kind of user, right? Like I would need more. So just having the ability to go up higher would be a nece- would be necessary for me if I was to consider this computer. Right. Right. Because then I'm considering it not on pure power but on format, like on f- like it's, its size, its weight thickness that kind of stuff right that's the only reason I would consider owning one of these machines I'm really intrigued to see one and hold one and kind of you know how much of a difference would it make going in and out of my bag every day but then I would still want that higher level of support right? of like of RAM Uh, I have we got quite a lot of ask upgrade questions and because I wasn't really sure what else we could talk about with the M2 I thought we could bring some of those in now um and this is a, a, a there is a thing that you mentioned in your article about the MacBook Air which also has a question so your quote is unfortunately the M2 is still the base model chip of its generation and Apple has not chosen to provide it with enough IO power to drive a second external display and David wrote in similarly asking is Apple delaying fixing a technical limitation because they aren't motivated to allow more displays on non-pro priced hardware or is the limit purely an artificial differentiator to upsell buyers?
1: Well, I mean, it's a decision. Is it artificial?
0: I mean, every decision.
1: I mean... It's a decision. Why
0: not support 26 monitors? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm being facetious, but like, there's always a limit, right? Why, you know, why is two better than one? Yeah. Why not four?
1: Right? I, you know? I, I think they decided that for a base model well yeah, I mean to your point, it's a base model. Um, why doesn't the base model have eighty cores and nine thousand GPUs? And like I mean, it's a base model. They they have to draw a line somewhere and say the base model has limitations. Yep. Um I don't think it's artificial in the sense of it's simply uh it it does it just fine and we we turned it off. I think what happened is they weren't motivated to make this a uh enough of a priority in what they were building for m2 yep and so a the use case where you have a laptop that you attach two external displays to is not a use case that they felt was within the parameters of a base model chip
0: i have no problem saying this i don't think they need to change this like if you are a user who wants an M1 machine and wants to have three displays, in, like, you are so far into the edge well, cases. I would, I would
1: reword it and say, if you need a laptop with that many external displays on it, you, you should need a buy MacBook a MacBook pro. pro. This is what I was going to get. <laughs> right. like, if,
0: if you are, for some <laughs> reason, a user who wants two external displays and their laptop display, like, you're a, you are a pro now. I understand we're now pushing into the expense, like, question. But, like what what are you doing? right? And like the thing that I like about this from like like the because it's in the base level chip, you think like, oh, that also goes in the Mac mini, but then it gets two displays, which is like because fun, it right? doesn't have the the, the internal displays. Display. Power.
1: If, I, if I'm disappointed about anything and I did ask about this, I asked around about this. if if I'm disappointed about anything is, I wish that the MacBook Air would drive two displays in clamshell mode. Right. Yeah. Sure. I agree with that. When it's not hooked up to its own display, its yeah. own display is off. I, th- I think it's too bad that they didn't do. Is I, it like I don't, hardwired
0: in, in? Yeah. Some I way? don't
1: entirely understand why, but I am disappointed. Given that the Mac Mini can do it, yeah. I wish that that would be a scenario. Right. Which is like, okay, well, I'm docked, uh, and my lid is closed, and you know now what? I'd like to see. You know to though?
0: Like, I could imagine it's just like if 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 say like the machine just can't handle it. The problem is then which which monitor you turn off, yeah, right, and I'll, you open you open the lid
1: sure, sure, you know? and I would also say, um I know that there are ways you can use a display port adapter and you can get a second display on it and all that. I think what I'd say is for a lot of this stuff, it ends up being apple doesn't offer that because Apple doesn't think that experience is any good, yeah, and Apple is not going to say, well, it supports two displays, but one of them has to be crappy, they just say it doesn't There least, has to no. be like. <laughs> When you do, you have, I know that there will be
0: people that are like, they've heard what I said about like, you need to get a different computer and they'll be I'm mad about it. But like, this is my point. Like you have to stop somewhere, right? Because now if you're a MacBook Pro user and you want seven displays, right? Well, it doesn't support that. It was like, well, well
1: I mean, what are you going to do? Like yeah. there has to be an end point. Well, and every decision that they make to add features to M2 yeah. is coming out of price or power yeah. consumption or heat dissipation. I mean, like there are so many different things, but it's not a free lunch, right? They have yeah. to, they, they, they have to scope this thing um, as an entry level chip. And they know that it's going into all their entry level products. And there are, there are decisions they're going to make that, um, that are going to cut off features, but it's okay. Cause there are other features. I, honestly, I think this is not even much of an issue anymore because yeah. What this was really an issue about was when M one was the only Apple silicon. Yep. And so people were frustrated because it was only sixteen gigs of RAM and it was only, you know, one external display on a laptop and oh we want more. But there is more now. It's it's the MacBook Pro. You can do this. And so this is not what the MacBook Air is is meant to be. No. So that's my that's my in the end, if they really felt that this was necessary, they would they would have built it differently, but they decided that that was too much of an edge case and and yeah, the truth is, get a MacBook pro if you want that and and or wait for the m two MacBook Pro, which is you know, absolutely coming yep.
0: uh Matt asked, is the m two MacBook Air the new default laptop recommendation, or does the m one air still win simply for being cheaper
1: I'd like to get my hands on an M2 Air for yeah. more than... I mean, I had it more than the hands-on area. I got to spend a little time with them um, later in the day. So I've I, I've got more hands-on than some, but the truth is, until you use it, it's really hard to say. It is more expensive, and I'm not sure... It, it, what, I think the question is going to be, is the style... And the added functionality of the M2 worth the premium in price. Mm -hmm. Um, So my guess is that it's not going to be as easy a buying recommendation, a default buying recommendation. I I think you could
0: just say to people, you want a MacBook Air? You can choose. Do you want a cheaper one, but it looks like that? Or do you want the newer one, but it looks like that and it costs that?
1: I might even go so far as to say and and i i reserve the right to change my mind once i review this thing um, which to my knowledge nobody has them right like they're not they're they're coming out in july uh, to my knowledge nobody has them there hasn't been any if i was given one to review i couldn't say that
0: for all i know this one's <laughs> like 20 feet away from me
1: no but, there's not
0: but no, but that's what you would say
1: no no <laughs> no <laughs> I, would I would say deflect. i'm not at liberty to say i, I would yeah. i would deflect but i can mm-hmm. i can say i absolutely don't have one because they don't they don't exist yet um so i want to get my hands on them i i think though that what i may end up saying is something like the 999 model is great Uh and it will serve you really well if you want to pay a little more you can get something that's nicer um but that's that's the decision right do you want to spend more than the 999 999 is such a great price for that m1 air It, it really is a great price and um and it's a great product and it will serve most people's use cases so it really is sort of like do you want to spend a little mo- bit more money for something nice but i don't think i will say the m2 air is the default i won't ch- think i i don't think i am willing as long as the mm. m1 air is still in the product line to say that the m2 air is the default because the m1 air is so good and it's more affordable and so i think that i think that it's going to be I think that's why they're selling it still, is that a lot of people are still going to just buy it and it's going to be great and they're going to do well with it.
0: Again, just to, I'm trying to cover all my bases here. John in the Discord says the Intel version of the MacBook Air used to support two external displays. It's like, again, I'm sure it did, but like, I don't, they've just made a decision and they're sticking to it. And honestly, I don't think it's that bad. I really don't.
1: And I would say that that was a decision based on, intel's choice yeah
0: intel yeah intel made that decision and
1: so then it was there in the chip so and now Apple Apple's made the it. Decision.
0: and i understand if like you had a specific use case where this annoys you but like i just think that there has to be limits to the stuff this is the one that they've chosen
1: yeah well yeah. and the phrasing of they should have kept it in it's like well they didn't they, they didn't keep it in they they had to make a new chip and they mm-hmm. made the m1 and it was not a distinction that it was not on their list of things that they needed not. to to, to have to bring over the M1 from, yep. from Intel. They just, it wasn't on their list. It was a, a thing that was provided by Intel that they didn't think was that important. And if you think it's that important, I get it. But um, yeah, what can I say? I think, I think running a laptop with two external displays is an edge case and there's a MacBook Pro that solves it. And I understand why they made it, even though it is frustrating. Yep. And even though I think that it would be better if they could run it lid closed because... It would still be driving two displays. It would just be too external. But this is where we are.
0: And a secondary question that came from David. What are the chances that consumers will reject Apple's second attempt to upscale and upprice the MacBook Air? Will the vast majority of consumers just keep buying the M1 MacBook Air?
1: In the short term, yeah, I think that's probably true, that the M1 MacBook Air is going to sell really well. The M2, I think, will sell well, too. Um, I think this is maybe even priming the pump a little bit for what we were talking yep. about earlier, which is it you have many options. when they have three of them, does it? Yeah, you have many yep. choices. Choose which one you like better. I think in the long run, the M2 Air will be the 999, right? Like, it the will reason eventually they, c- be
0: they have this 999 one around is because they're preparing for that. They're preparing for... They, they haven't just gotten rid of the MacBook Air, right? And they're just like the, the M1, and they're just like the MacBook Air starts at 1299 now. I think they are very aware of the fact that if they keep the 999 one around, people will keep buying the 999 yes. one because it costs that until next year when they can replace it one way or another.
1: Right, either with either with the M2 MacBook Air that we just saw being announced or with the 12-inch mm. MacBook Air at 999. Well, like
0: there could be this weird thing where the 12-inch costs more because whatever, and then like whatever. this current one sits in the right. 999 spot. But like, look, yeah. Apple were not stupid, I think. Like everyone can see that they they know they know the reason one of the reasons the MacBook Air is the most popular computer is because it's the cheapest one. Yes. 100%. So they have decided to keep that cheap one in at that point. Mm-hmm. The
1: MacBook And they've decided that it's better that they do that yep. than lose two hundred dollars of margin <laughs> on the new one. And also <laughs> look at twenty twenty two.
0: They probably can't make enough of these M ones, but I bet they got a lot of the M one Macs sitting around. Yeah. You know, so, you know, or just it's maybe easier to just keep making both of them for whatever reason. Right. So uh, it is possible. I reckon, though, with the way that Apple's computers are now, I reckon this will sell better than the MacBook did. That would be if I was just making a bet. Apple laptops are hot again. People know that they want them. And you get the new one. or oh, the new one. Is that better than the old one, which is also really good? Yeah, it is. And by the way, have you seen it? Like, you know what I mean? Like the the MacBook, the 12 inch MacBook just looked like a smaller MacBook Air. It did. This one looks really cool. Mm-hmm. If only they would have done it in colors.
1: If only, if only. But yeah, so that's, that's exactly it. I think in the short term, David is probably, what he's suspecting here is probably true, which is a lot of people are still going to buy the MacBook Air. That's fine. Apple, if Apple didn't want that to happen, they would not uh, be doing this, mm-hmm. but they are. And the, it, You know, guess what? It's not a defeat for Apple to sell a $999 m one MacBook Air because yep. they're making a nice profit on that one too. But in the long run, something else will take that slot. And yep. It'll be fine.
0: This episode is brought to you by Capital One. Have you ever hit a technical snafu while shopping online? Has filling out payment fields given you a headache? Or has a mobile banking app ever been down when you wanted to use it? Capital One believes everyone deserves better banking, and this means easier access to money and more security. That's why Capital One is investing in machine learning. Machine learning allows Capital One to do things like fight fraud of random forests with models that quickly detect suspicious activity and make it faster to alert federal investigators, and they identify how mobile app outages happen with causal models. Keeping their mobile app up and running, it doesn't happen by accident. Anomaly detection and incident response help them determine why app outages happen so engineers can quickly remedy them. Capital One speed up online shopping with machine learning at the edge. They make shopping with virtual card numbers more smoother and secure this way. This technology is based on logistic regression models and running inference in the browser to identify payment fields, which then makes helping uh, the the use of virtual card numbers easier and faster. The potential of machine learning is so big. See how Capital One is using machine learning to create the future of banking. Search machine learning at Capital One. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Our thanks to Capital One for their support of this show and Relay FM. Now it's time for some hashtag ask upgrade questions. For real this time. And the first one comes from Nepali who asks, There are rumors of an always on display coming to the next iPhone, as we spoke about earlier in the show. Do you think there could be a nightstand mode like there is with the Apple Watch? Oh,
1: that's interesting.
0: Because I was thinking, if you have a bunch of white light on the phone, is it not going to be bright? Like how bright is that always on going to be?
1: I don't know. But it could be that it could be color because that that's what the Apple Watch does. Is it's um, Apple Watch? It's actually is it green. I want to say It's green. Yeah. And it also is off most of the time, and then you you bump it and it and comes it on. Comes on. So what's
0: it? Maybe my thinking is an always on display. How bright is it going to be at night? Right. And what are they going to do for that? I was imagining they would somehow integrate it into the sleep mode. Right. But I wouldn't want that because I don't want to necessarily set that up. So maybe I'll have to, but I can imagine they will integrate it somehow with the sleep
1: thing. Yeah, it's sleep focus, in fact. Yeah,
0: and it would do the same thing of detecting with the gyroscopes if you bump the nightstand to light it up.
1: Maybe. And, and, and not show you all of your information because one of the things the sleep mode is trying to do is not bother you yeah. with it's, it's not going to light just up with notifications wasting battery and stuff. right like yeah. i know
0: it's very very small amount of battery needed for the always on display but if you're asleep you really don't need it <laughs> right <Yeah>. you know <laughs> like and i love that thing with the apple watch where like if i want to see the time i can just bump the nightstand yep. and the apple watch yep. works it out i think that's so smart mm-hmm. you know um, so but i do this made make me think yeah they'll probably do something like that right they're, they're probably going to do something like that Darren asked, "I noticed Apple having to choose which OSs uh, in which uh, to choose which OS in the keynote, in which to feature some kind of ecosystem-wide improvement during this year's keynote. Do you think it would make more sense to separate core operating system functions, something like Stage Manager, to its own part of the keynote, and then dig into app stuff when you need to?" So I was thinking about this question a bit. I'll see if I can give it a little bit more clarity. I was thinking about it. So kind of what Darren's getting to is. We find out about Stage Manager in Mac, even though it's on Mac and iPad. And we don't find out about the mail improvements until, say, the iPad section, but even though it's going to be in the iPhone and the Mac. And then every single time they do a, a different OS, they're like, oh, and it also gets all of those features we spoke about earlier. So it made me think, well, could it be as we move into this future where they're doing more and more cross platform features? That they have a part of the keynote where they're like, "We have these features coming to all of our platforms today. They are this, this, and this." And then they're like, "And now we want to tell you about some Mac-specific features. And now we want to tell you about some iOS-specific features." Rather than this, like, just iOS,
1: just Mac, just iPad. Yeah, I, you can see them struggling with it. It's complicated. And I saw—I huh, forget even where there were so many different interviews last week, but somebody asked about this, I think I saw it somewhere and that, that like that there was definitely, there's been discussion about it inside Apple is the impression I get, mm-hmm. but that they think this is the right way to do it. I feel like it's inevitable that they're going to have to change their structure because I don't actually think it works very well. I think that they are introducing so many premium, high-level Apple platform features every year that are like, these are our features for the year and they go everywhere. That it's, they should probably structure it so that they announce those features and then tell you how what the ramifications of them are Mm. across all of their platforms and even on TVOS it'll do this thing or whatever it is Uh, and on the watch you'll see it here and like there are a lot of these things that I, i actually think they make less of an impact because they they tell you about it in the iphone and then they say oh yeah it's also on the mac too there's that moment on the is it the iPad presentation where Craig Federighi basically says, "Oh, look at all these things that we already announced—they're on the iPad—and now let's move on." And it's just—it's one of those things where I—I I think it would be better structured with the top-level stuff that's across all of Apple's platforms described in those terms, and then then you can break down and have a conversation yeah. about some specific new changes in each of the OSs. But they clearly don't want to do that. But I feel like the direction they're going, they're going to have to re- revisit this and rethink it.
0: Yeah. Jeffrey asks, Any idea why the A12Z, which ran macOS basically fine with the Apple Silicon DTK, is left out of stage Manager functionality in iPad OS? Is it just segmentation? Do I now really need to trade in my 25-month-old iPad Pro? I will read a quote that Apple gave to a few outlets, including Rene Ritchie. Stage Manager is a fully integrated experience that provides all new windowing experience... That's odd. Uh, That is incredibly fast and responsive and allows users to run eight apps simultaneously across iPad and an external display with up to 6K resolution. Delivering this experience with the immediacy users expect from iPad's touch-first experience requires large internal memory, incredibly fast storage, and a flexible external display I.O all of which are delivered by iPads with the M1 chip. I'm going to assume this was said to him verbally and he's dictated it because that is a very weirdly written hmm. thing. Uh, the word experience is used a hundred times in there. Yeah. Basically, I think this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Hey, look, I understand because I had to buy a new iPad for this, right? Like, yep. I, and I didn't want to buy but I really wanted to try out this feature because I felt like I kind of needed to to be able to talk about it. And I'm pleased I have because it's really helped inform me in ways that the presentation didn't. I think the problem here is it could do it, I guess, but it's probably not going to be able to do it as well. Definitely not when you put the external display in the mix, right? It would be my expectation. Right. And so then I guess they're just like, they don't want to do this thing where they're like, it works on this for this, and these for this. What I will say is it is a multi there are multiple years of products now, I guess. That it's not like it what it's not like is the issue they have with the Apple Watch right now, which I think is a wild one. You can buy a series three watch today won't run and the it won't update, run the next yeah. update. At least with I mean, and I know you can't do it with the iPad mini, but you wouldn't want to, trust me. Mm. Right? But at least all of the iPads that are available now, most of them have been available for a while, you can do it with. But I understand why it frustrates people. I do. I, I get it. Yeah. But you got to... Again, lines need to be drawn somewhere. I really don't think they do it purely to just wring every dollar out of people.
1: So what I'd say is the... the it run, runs macOS just fine in the DTK. Well, just fine, except that was never shipped in a product. And so... Was it just fine or was it good enough for developers to use as a first glance? Second, that was running Mac OS. This is running iPad OS. are different. It's a different operating system. Um, third, the M1 is not the A12C. The M1 is different. The M1 was built with some very specific things in mind. I don't know for sure, but it sure seems like Apple had a confidence in the M1 being capable of delivering these features and didn't have a confidence in the A12Z. Otherwise, they could have literally drawn the line at the A12Z. One product would have been included. There's only one product with the A12Z, right? Because the DTK doesn't count. It's that iPad Pro. But they didn't. Is it because of the display external display support is it because of the memory and the ssd speed for doing virtual memory and paging did they have a moment where they said well we could bring it to the a12z but we're gonna need to do a bunch of things to like limit the number of windows or i was thinking ram and like it might have been yeah that if you had the one terabyte one which had
0: more ram in it maybe it would work. maybe but then at that point what you're gonna say if you have this one ipad of this generation it will work for you
1: Yeah, so I think, and I think that there's just a practicality standpoint where at some point they're like, it's not worth us doing extra work to add that particular machine's compatibility, given all that we're relying on that's on the M1. My my guess is that this was targeted at M1 from the beginning, that the whole feature was built on the hardware on an M1 iPad, and that... That was what they and and from that decision comes everything else, which is just because the a twelve z ran the Dtk for mac OS fine doesn't necessarily mean it would run it fine. And it also may be that they very specifically were like, "Look, we're not going to do this until we reach m one because yeah. we do need these you know whether it's a specific feature or whether it's just the." ability to have fast enough SSD and enough RAM to, to build the virtual memory system with paging and have the multiple windows open and support an external display and like you roll it all together and that's what you get. So, you know, it it goes, it is the old question, which is, uh, which is a choice was made obviously. Um, But my guess is that it usually when Apple makes these decisions, it's not, It's not always the case, but usually it feels like when Apple makes these decisions, it's because they've decided that the amount of work to get something that would be a poorer experience isn't worth it and that they want to have it be a really good experience. And so they're going to draw the line where they do. It does not always happen that way, right? Sometimes there's like a new photo feature or something where we're like, well, why is that not on the old iPhone? And the answer is because they didn't want to. Mm -hmm. Um, But mostly I think, mostly I think not because I think they target specific features for specific hardware. And that that's my my guess about the ultimate answer here is this was a feature designed for M1. Yeah. And so they never even considered designing it for A12C.
0: There's dogs. There's, there's dogs. The dogs are upset.
1: I know those dogs.
0: Yeah? Yeah. What are They're loud. Lab- they do definitely. this.
1: Sometimes they do this. It's uh, it's Bailey and Chico. Yeah. Huh. I think big dog, little dog action happening.
0: We're going to take those dogs as a message to wrap up this episode okay. of Upgrade. Dogs are
1: telling us we got to go.
0: Yep, the dogs are playing us out. We're being played out by the dogs. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this week's summer of fun summer initiation. Fun. I don't think we actually mentioned it at the beginning. So we're in the summer of fun now. We started a week early. Yeah. Usually summer of fun did. will start next week, but hey, we're outside to start in, in now. the sun we're in California. The sun, mm-hmm. it's fun. It's fun summer. Fun in the California California really fun. Jason's wearing a summer of fun t-shirt I am. too, which you didn't mention on brand. Yet. Uh, if you'd like to find us online, go to sixcolors.com and at Jason L. On Twitter for Jason, I'm at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Uh, thank you so much to our sponsors of this week's episode, Capital One, Electric, Uni, and Mode. Oh, if you would like to send in a question for us to answer in a future episode of Upgrade, just send out a tweet with hashtag AskUpgrade or use question mark AskUpgrade in the FM members' Discord. You can become a member and support this show by going to getupgradeplus.com where you get longer ad-free versions of Upgrade every single week. Thank you so much to everybody that supports the show by doing so. We appreciate you greatly. We'll be back next week in much more regular environments. I'll be at home and you'll be at home. I'll be at
1: like 12 feet over there, yeah. Honestly,
0: with the way my week has gone, who knows if I'll be home. You know, I could be stuck somewhere, anywhere. We'll find out next time on Upgrade. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snell. Woof.